Hey guys, it's Abby K. Five years later, I'm back talking to Grown Up Rock. Crank it up. Okay, Sonny, so we got a fun episode tonight. You know, ever since we started this podcast, we've kind of been, I wouldn't say dedicating the full episodes to exposing rock bands, new rock bands, but we have definitely built into the podcast, such as the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight by exposing up-and-coming artists. Certainly, we've spent a lot of time playing some of the bands that we love that are not as well-known So I think an episode like tonight will be kind of fun for the listeners. It'll be fun for us, and it'll give us the chance to really put a spotlight on up-and-coming rock, and especially younger up-and-coming rock. You agree with that? Yeah, we've done this a couple of times. You know, the part of the podcast was make sure we play new music, because I didn't want to play like Honky Talk Woman and these songs that like everybody knows, like anybody can do that. And through our... uh, just through contacts and meeting people and people sending us things. We've listened to a lot of it. We haven't talked to everybody, but uh, there's a lot of times we end up like in Sweden, but today we actually ended up in Nashville. So it's kind of nice to be on U.S. soil. I know, right? So we've spent time exposing a lot of the Euro bands. And we said from the beginning, the people that are out there that are like rock is dead, they're just not. I mean, they're just not open in their ears, basically, because rock is far from dead. The problem is rock is underground now. Rock is what alternative music was 30 years ago, because it's just not it's not popular music out in the open, so to speak. And bands like Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and, uh, you know, name one of the classic old bands. They're still there. They're still in movies. They're still in TV. But it's important that the next generation come along and bands like Eclipse and Heat from Sweden that we love so much and all these Euro bands. There's also a lot of great rock happening here in the U.S., We're going to invite a special guest onto the podcast. We're going to talk to somebody from Nashville who was on our show way back in 2017, I think. 18, 2018. 2018, when she was 15 years old. We figured that out. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that when we get into it. But welcome to the Grown Up Rock podcast, Abby Kay. Hello. Thank you guys for having me back. Five years later. Yeah. Vinnie Vincent Expo. That was, that was the last time we saw you. Yeah. Yeah. That kiss confessionals that came out of the, uh, Vinnie Vincent Expo when, uh, grown up rock set up a booth and just talked to people that were there at the expo. And Abby was one of the people that we talked to. I think we ended up talking to your dad as well Yeah, at one point. And it was a great time. We all had a great time just talking to various people and seeing all the craziness that went on and, 
I didn't have to leave Atlanta, which was great. So that was super easy for me. But uh, Abby, we've been sort of following your career from a distance and and watching you grow. You do a lot with Instagram and Facebook posts and YouTube now, and you've just sort of expanded over the course of time. You've uh, gotten yourself mixed up with a lot of people that Sonny and I both know in passing here and there. And now you've moved to Nashville with your band and uh, you got the whole band house and all of that. And so we want to hear about that. We want to hear about the new music that you're putting out. I think I read somewhere that you at one point, and this was, I think, a year or so ago, you had a Kickstarter campaign for a new album. Did that happen or not happen? That is happening. Yeah. So we did get it fully funded. The single that we're releasing in like two weeks is actually the first single from the album. So that will be following later this year. All right. And we're going to get to that first single eventually here, but I want to talk to you about a few other things. I want to find out a little bit about Abby. So what was the original plan? You're 10, you're 11 years old. What did you want to be like at that point? At that point, I was spending 40 hours a week at gymnastics. I was homeschooled at the gym. I didn't know anything about music. Obviously, I listened to it because, you know, my dad forced me to in the car. But I really plan on, okay, going to college for gymnastics, going to be a gymnastics coach. And then um, a couple injuries later, that really wasn't an option anymore. But that was my first plan for my life. Yeah. So you w- at least you weren't one of those people that came in here and go, oh, it was always music from the time I was born <laughs> till the time it was always music. People say that to me and I'm like, really? Because... I wanted to be a cowboy when I was, <laughs> yeah. you know, 10 years old. I didn't think about music. So, yeah. Yeah. A Lone Ranger for me. Abby, do you even know who the Lone Ranger is? <laughs> I do not. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So, the Lone Ranger, you got to do research on it. He wore a mask, he had a gun with silver bullets. He was a cowboy. He's a hero. You know, that's how it goes. Yeah. Um, a horse named Trigger. Yeah. <laughs> and a buddy named Tonto. Yeah. horse with a speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty high silver, the Lone Ranger. Um, it, w- it probably wasn't politically correct. Like it wouldn't, they, you couldn't get away with a Lone Ranger today because there's all kinds of racial things to it, but you know, it was in the sixties. So what are you going to do? Um, <laughs> I loved when you told us that your dad would force you to listen to these two songs if you wanted this one downloaded. I thought that was awesome because what I used to do, so I have three daughters and a son, and I have three daughters that are actually older than you are. What I would do is they had iPod touches, so I would download the song, but then I would download other songs around it so they'd have to skip through it, right? Or if they're doing something, they don't got time to skip through it. They just kind of listen to it. So that's how I kind of brainwashed. But you started on guitar. What made you switch to bass? So I started on guitar after I went to my first Kiss concert because it's the only thing that we had in the house. And honestly, I was not good. Um, I've gotten better over the years, but it just was not really for me. And so I went to my first guitar lesson because I was pretty much self-taught for like a year. I went to an actual guitar lesson and there was a ton of traffic and we were like an hour and a half late. Like it was embarrassing how late we were. And there was a band coming in that didn't have a bass player. 
And the guy was like, hey, have you ever played bass? And I said, I don't know what that is. And he handed me the bass. And it was like, I don't even know how to explain it. It was like an out-of-body experience, truly. Like, I just picked it up and kind of knew what I was doing already, even though I had no idea anything about it. It just kind of happened naturally for me. So then I knew, okay, I think this is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. A guitar at the house. Did mom or dad play guitar? Were they musically talented? No, we just had it. I have no idea why. (laughs) (laughs) It was like out in the garage. Hadn't been touched for 20 years. (laughs) Oh, I bet that thing played really well. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So you decided at some point that you wanted to sing. Why Why did you want to take on the singing uh, aspect of it? Why not just go after a singer and just be a full-time bass player? What was the decision-making there? So I never wanted to be a singer. I hated singing for the longest time. I still, depending on the day, I'm like, man, I don't want to sing right now. I'm a bassist at heart. But I was in my first band in middle school. I was obviously the only girl, so I was with a bunch of middle school boys. And all of them were like alternating who sings what song. And they were going through their middle school years. So every year we were having, or every week, we would have to change the key of the song because their voices were changing. And it was so annoying. And I was like, okay, I'm taking over. I'm singing now. We're not doing this anymore. (laughs) So that's kind of when I started singing. But I I really didn't take it seriously until like a couple years later. Yeah, Abby, you're fighting these two stereotypes, right? Like, I would love to say that rock is all encompasses and we we embrace everyone. Let's be real. We don't embrace everyone. So (laughs) how are are you kind of dealing with, you're a female and you're young. Mm -hmm. How are you kind of getting through or navigating through the rock world? It's honestly been really difficult. It got better after I turned 18. But a lot of times before I turned 18, nobody would take me seriously Or I had to have my mom or dad sign contracts for me and people would see that and be like, oh, wait, you're just a kid. So that was pretty hard with the age thing. Now, I mean, I do everything myself. I was signed, but now I'm independent. So I'm my own manager. I do everything in-house. So I think it kind of maybe impresses people a little bit more that I have like the business and industry knowledge that I do. So I think that kind of gets rid of the age factor. Now, as a female, I'll go backstage at my shows that I booked where my name is on the bill. And one of the security guys is going to be like, oh, sorry, you can't. The girlfriends can't be in here. And I'll be like, wow, that kind of stuff still happens today. Like, that's crazy because I can safely say we see more women in rock nowadays than I ever did growing up. And, you know, I spent a long time on the road and I, I, it was all about a guy's club at that point. And so I saw it from that perspective, but nowadays, especially with everything going on in society, I mean, there's different things happening with pick a group, right? Everything that it would become less, not that I think that it's non-existent, but I just figure maybe it's getting better, but it's still, it's still happening, isn't it? Yeah, I definitely think it's gotten better, but it is still, unfortunately, a thing. It doesn't happen very often, but obviously, I'm really close with all the females in the music industry because there's not a ton of us, so we kind of have to stick together, and everyone I've talked to has that same story. Yeah. Have you had to deal with that in ugly ways uh, from a business side of things? 
because you talked about um, sort of having business knowledge now. Yeah, I I would say I don't get taken seriously as a young girl. And I know I really pride myself on my business knowledge. I learned a lot really early on. And so I know what I'm talking about most of the time business wise. And so when people kind of like second guess me, I'm like, okay, that's fine. So I've just learned that if I'm sending an email, I say, hi, my name is Scott, last name. Uh, and I represent the band Abby K. That is my dad's name. My dad doesn't even know how to check an email, but I send all of my emails from my dad. And honestly, the response is so much different. Yeah, that's a trip. That's funny. And it's it's just it's going to be like that. I mean, that's yeah. this is this is the industry that we're in. So, like people like Nita, like you and Nita yeah. have a kinship, obviously. Did Nita tell you all the same horror stories that you were experiencing? And did she give you some tips that at least get you over the hump quicker? Yes. I'm very fortunate to have that connection. She's kind of like a mentor, big sister in the industry. And obviously she's been through a lot. And so it's just kind of nice to have someone to say, hey, this is happening right now. Did this ever happen to you? Yep. I went through that five years ago. Here's how you get out of it. And just to have that that kind of big sister to lean on, especially because I mean, I'm new to this. I have the things that I know, but there's so much that I don't know. And so when I come across something to have someone to kind of guide me through that is really nice. You talked about having a lot of industry knowledge. Where does your industry knowledge come from? I learned what not to do really early on. I was signed at 16 and a lot of great things came out of that. I don't regret it at all, but there's a lot of things that I, I just learned are things that that I don't want to continue doing, or I don't want to do that way when I become independent. And, you know, when I turned 16, I was thrown into business meetings with six-year-old men. So I kind of just had to learn really quick to be able to stand up for myself and stand my ground. Cause if not, I mean, they're just going to talk all over you and you don't even matter anymore. So I had to learn that really quick. Yeah. Yeah. The industry has changed a lot over the years, how you break a band nowadays is not obviously not what it was 30 years ago. And I think the old guard, the older musicians out there, the bands that we grew up with that are still out there plugging away are having to kind of figure out that and get their footing on a lot of that stuff. Whereas people like yourself, the younger generation are coming up in this new world where social media is king and, you know, you have all these different things available to you to break you without needing the power and might of a record company these days, right? Right. I definitely think we have it easier, but also I think there's pros and cons to the whole social media thing because you have the ability to reach anyone in the world just at the click of a button, but because it's so easy, everyone is trying to do it now. And so it's really, the scene is oversaturated with just anyone and everyone. So, Oh yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, you can be an instant star on YouTube and Spotify and anything else uh, just by uploading your stuff, right? Right. Yep. It's All easy right. to get your stuff out there, but it's hard to get it heard. Yeah. Abby, we talked about this a little bit earlier on the podcast that, you know, we like some of these young bands. We were worried. One thing we were already worried about the pandemic because it was a pandemic anyway, but then we were worried. We're like, Oh my God, these startup bands, that we're kind of counting on probably 2020 to be the greatest of years, basically get a two-year punch in the head. Yeah. Like, but you somehow came out the other side. How'd you kind of navigate those two years? So it was really hard for me because I was a junior in high school and 
about two weeks before COVID hit, it was the first year that I signed a contract. It was the first year that I toured outside of the Carolinas, where I'm from, and I was getting ready to quit high school and go homeschool. Like, had the meeting with the my parents and the, the principal, head of school, everything. We were ready to, okay, we're going to do this. And then the head of school was like, give us two weeks. You don't have to come to school for two weeks. Just Just give us two weeks. And then I never went back because of COVID. I still did that school. I just did it online because it was the same thing. So I think in those two years, at first, I was really upset because I was just starting to go gain all of this momentum and doing all of these cool things. As a junior in high school, that's cool as heck. Like everyone in school was like, oh my gosh, you're like famous. And I'm like, well, no, but I am doing cool things. So I was really, really disappointed that I felt like everything I had worked for was for nothing and it was just all over. But I am a very stubborn, disciplined, determined person. And so I picked myself back up and I worked like a dog. I think that's when I really started to work on the business side, the sending emails, trying to get on radio stations, get all of that stuff that I could do those two years. And I think because I did that, and made those connections and got that radio play, got those interviews, I was able to do more after COVID because I had made those, you know, connections and built those relationships up. Yeah. Okay. Tell us what cookies for prison is. Cause I'm going to get, <laughs> I'm going to take a wild guess. And then I want you to tell me the real, it feels like possibly a band that didn't give you the time of day. And now they show up every once in a while to remind you that you got over that hump? Am I totally off base here? There's something going on with them. Technically, no, you're not wrong. So my first song, It Should Have Been Me, is obviously about a band that I auditioned for. They led me on, didn't get it. And so when we did the music video for that, the videographers wanted to incorporate that somehow. But obviously, they changed the name. And they changed the name to Cookies for Prison. And we were <laughs> like, where did you get that? Well, they were filming some wedding like a month earlier and there was a sign and a table out that they were selling cookies to benefit like a prison. And it was like cookies for prison. I just learned that recently, actually. I was like, Hey, where did that come from? <laughs> but it was kind of like a hidden gem in our first music video. So we've actually included it in every music video since. Cause I've seen a shirt. I've seen a poster. I'm like, no. <laughs> this has to be like the boyfriend that didn't give me the time. This has got to be that. That's what it felt like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. So okay. It's just, it's kind of like a fun thing we do. And I've actually, I've made amends with that band now. We're all good. And I'm actually glad I didn't get it now because I think I, well, one, I was able to get my first song out of it, but I've moved on to bigger and better things. But it is still kind of funny that we reference back to it every video. <laughs> I can't believe you came close enough to guessing that. Oh, it, yeah. it felt like that because I watched all the videos and I'm like, there is something going on here. You could just tell. All right. We're going to learn more about Abby K as we go on. And I really want to get into this episode because I think at some point I even forgot to say it. We're going to go through five songs with Abby that she's given us that are some way influential or important to her and the musician she is today. So we're going to get into all those songs, but before we go too far into this episode, which we pretty much already have, you know we got to do this.
It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. All right, so tonight's Crank It Up New Music Spotlight comes to us from who else? Our special guest, Abby Kay. So tonight, we're going to talk to Abby about her new song, which is called Better Off. And Abby, you're going to tell us all about this song, but first we're going to play it. Here it is. So tell us, what did we just listen to? What's it all about? You just listened to Better Off. That is the first single off of our debut album, which will come out later this year. And Better Off is kind of like a new era of Abby Kay in a way. You know, we started off kind of young pop rock, didn't really fit the vibe for me. And 
I think I've really grown over time into doing the type of music which I want to do, which is really heavy, raw, modern rock. And I think this is the first time that I've really been excited about the way that one of my singles sounds. So definitely a heavier direction than the past, but I'm really, really excited for how it turned out. Uh, We actually recorded it during COVID. We went to Nashville for the first time. We had a production team of three really awesome guys, Troy Laketa from Tesla, Brian Gamboa, and Jeff Kersey. And just having those three guys in on the session with their knowledge, it was incredible working with them. Yeah, I mean, it sounds thick. It sounds amazing. And I think we run into this with a lot of young artists uh, that we've talked to before, which is they're still trying to figure out who they are and who they want to be. I know long ago, several years back, we had an artist on named Jacob Cade. And Jacob Cade was into Aerosmith and Guns N' Roses and his music. That was what he was all about. Well, over the course of time, he's really changed what he is. And he's almost become like this five seconds to summer type artist, which is completely, you know, a 180 from what he was. So I don't know, you know, I guess, I guess you know what you want to do in the end, or you don't know what you want to do until you hear it. But talk about that because I mean, some of your music is definitely it's to me, it's all rock, but it's definitely in different areas of rock. There's a lot of elements of punk in there for me and there's elements of rock in there and yeah there's some elements of pop too but i i still consider it all rock so who wrote this song how did this song come about so i wrote this song by myself probably in the fall of 2020 right in the middle of covid and i wrote this song kind of just like as a turning 18 getting it my way kind of just punch in your face kind of song I think I've always wanted to go in this direction, and I just haven't known how. We had always recorded our stuff all by ourselves or in a different studio. And so this was the first time going with people that really knew what they were doing. And, I mean, the three of us in a band, we're very new to this. We're young. We don't have 50 years of experience like these guys. So when we took the song to them, I said, okay, this is my goal. This is what I want to sound like. And I've never known how to make it happen. Then we got the song back and I was like, oh my gosh, that's what I've wanted for five years. I don't know. It was just really incredible working with them. We're actually still working with them to this day. Let's see. Are they doing the whole album with you or just a few songs? So we're doing kind of like, we're using a few different people for different singles because we are still very low budget. We did fund our Kickstarter, but that only covers like two songs. So we're having to kind of pick and choose where we want people just to figure out where we can save our budget a little bit. So all of those producers are going to be working on the album in some way, shape or form, just not the whole thing entirely. Yeah. Better off. Here's how I describe it. And Steven said it a little bit to me, it's, it's about 80% to power punk, right? It's not quite at the beats per minute that power punk sometimes gets to. One of my favorite power punk bands is Mast Intruder. Like I love Mast Intruder and you're not that fast, but you're, you're about 80% there, which is fine. I love what those guys do. Is that Diego? Is Diego bringing a little bit of the punk? Like where's his influences? Cause we get it that you love the shock rock and some of the classic rock stuff, but you get another person involved, whether you're writing by itself or not, Diego playing the guitar parts, it's going to be what it is. Yes. So Diego has a lot of thrash influences. And then he's also brought a lot more of the the modern 
like shred into it, like dream yeah. theater, trivium, stuff like that. And oh my gosh, I love him. He's like my my best friend, my big brother. Honestly, I think he really has changed the way that we do music and really shaped us into what I've wanted to do for a while. Yeah. And then this album, so will you have some of the songs you've written in the past kind of re-recorded onto that album? Because I'll tell you, my three favorites of your discography are 99 Degrees Celsius, Rockstar, and I'm telling you, I thought that I loved you almost made me cry the other day. From the video, dude, I am a hard one to make cry. But from the video, I'm like, God damn, Abby's actually selling this. Like, what the (laughs) hell's going on right now? So it had something to it. Or are those songs done and we just do new ones? I'm not sure. So we are going to have a few of them reappear on the album. Not all of them because, I mean, we do have 10 singles out after Better Off comes out. So, I mean, we have a full-length album there. But I just think... If you compare my first single, It Should Have Been Me, to my most recent Better Off, it's not the same Abby K. And so I want to do more of the who I am now, um, which would be obviously Better Off is the first one. 99 Degrees Celsius will be on there. Just three or four of the more recent ones will will make an appearance. But other than that, it's going to be all new stuff.
Making my way to the edge of a cliff A breaking point is far too near You've got everything to fear Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. Yeah, I mean, for me, I like the heavy sound, drop detuning, that kind of thing that goes with a lot of the modern hard rock and metal these days. So a song like Dodging a Bullet. That's what I figured it would be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's right up my alley, right up my alley, right? Yep. So how old is that song? That song I wrote a long time ago. And this is another one that we actually did with that production team of Troy Lachetta, Brian Gimbo, and Jeff Kersey. Yeah. And I wrote that maybe back in middle school and it sucked. It was a terrible song. My mom hated it. My band hated it. My former manager hated it. And so when I got out of that management deal and I turned 18, I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm doing this song now. Even though everyone hates it, I like it. It's my song. And I brought it to them and they were like, we agree with everyone. We don't like it. So, of course, with all of their knowledge and stuff, they were like, OK, it, it's a good song, but let's let's make it a great song. And so what you would hear before the studio and after the studio is two completely different songs. So they definitely made Dodging a Bullet, I swear, what it is. Um, and now if I go back and listen to the original version, I'm like, ew, what was I thinking? That's terrible. <laughs> So would I hate the original version? Yes.
Abby, I will tell you history of music is littered with songs that people thought that sucked big time. Dio absolutely hated rainbow in the dark. He hated that song. It's one of his, it ended up one of his biggest hits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's littered with that for sure, <laughs> man. All right. So let's get into some of these songs. Uh, and let me ask you before we go too far into this, did you put these in any particular order? I don't believe so. Okay. So I'll just give you the song. You're going to tell us why you love it. And we're going to tell you what we think of that song. <laughs> Cause there's a couple on here that maybe uh, are a little left to center for us, but that's all right. <laughs> I get it. So, and it's okay. There's no right or wrong in, in music, but one of the biggest, I'm going to start with one of the biggest surprises that you gave us, which was rock and roll party in the streets by the band Axe. Now, I know who the band Axe is. You're 85. I'm 85. <laughs> She's 20. There's Exactly. <laughs> There's not a whole lot of people that know who this band is. And so tell us a little bit about why this song is on your list. Okay. So I know it's crazy that I like this song and I like this band. Every time I mention it to someone, they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa did, what? You know that band? I'm like, Yeah. So Rock and Roll Party in the Streets was actually my first favorite song. I was probably five, six years old. My dad put it on my iPod. I don't know if it was like the piano intro or what, but it just like, I was fascinated by that song. I loved it so much to the point where, you know, I was a really hardcore gymnast my whole life. You get to a point in gymnastics where you get to choose the music that you do your floor routine to. And from age five to when I got to that point, I was like, one day I'm going to get to that point and I'm going to have rock and roll party in the streets as my floor music. And of course, when I got there, we were able to do it. I don't remember why, but growing up for probably six years, that was my, as soon as I get to choose my floor music, it's that act song. <laughs>
So you never got to use it, though? No, I had to do some boring pop song. They wouldn't let me use it. I don't know why. See, this is this is just another situation where the man is trying to keep rock and roll out of society. No, the, the man is trying to get her to dance to Bruno Mars, not Axe. <laughs> That's what the man is trying to do. <laughs> it was probably Britney Spears or something at that time. I don't know what was popular then. It was the Standing in the Hall of Fame, that song. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I've heard that song. I've heard that song before, but I can't remember what song it is. Yeah, this song is very new wave of British heavy metal to me. Like, they do a good job of kind of mixing in gritty guitar, right, and the keys a little bit. Very anthemic song, right? There's a little bit of rebel in it, so I get it. But, yeah, Axe, I'm not sure I own anything Axe. Like, I had to look this song up. I'm like, what is this? I own Axe body spray. <laughs> you need it, too. <laughs> Well, so, so here's what it says. So Axe is from Gainesville, Florida. So these guys were sort of a Southern rock band formed in 1979 and disbanded in 2012. The band is best known for their 1982 song, Rock and Roll Party in the Streets, and had other hits such as Now or Never, Never Heard of It, I Think You'll Remember Tonight, Never Heard of It, and Heat in the Street, Never Heard of It. <laughs> this, is, this band's a no-hit wonder. That's what this band is. But they're from a college town, and I definitely remember this band growing up because, it, it, you know, they showed up in a magazine or something, and, and I mean, come on, how do you not try a band called Axe? Come on. Sonny played a band for me a few weeks ago called Executioner. Yeah. That was good. <laughs> they did Give Me More. Oh, my God. It was so good. The Kiss song from Lick It Up, it was so good. <laughs> so that's kind of the history of this song with you. And did this song in particular have any influence on you musically? Musically, I would say no. It no. was just important to your youth. Yeah. I mean, it was the first song that I really remember yeah. growing up. So, yeah. Fair enough. All right. So we go from Rock and Roll Party in the Streets by Axe, which probably not a whole lot of people know. Uh, <laughs> some of our listeners will know it for sure. To one that everybody knows. And that's the final countdown by Europe. So what's up with this tune for you? So, let me tell you now, I can't stand the song. Okay, let me tell you now that I never could stand the song. But anyway, <laughs> let's let's go ahead and this song alone kept me from ever listening to Europe until Sonny and I put this podcast together. Now I like them. I yeah. like the other stuff. Still hate this song, but like Europe as a whole. So yeah. tell me, what is this song on your list for? So a little bit later in my childhood, I started getting more into, okay, what is, what is rock music? And I remember we were in a rental car. I don't know why, but I had that song on repeat for 12 hours. We were on a, a car ride and I was like, hmm, this is really cool. And so then I asked for a piano for Christmas because of that song. And I taught myself how to play that intro on piano. I used this same song for all three girls to teach them how to play the keyboard. I bought them a keyboard, even though they never asked for one. I was trying to push them into music, right? Yeah. I taught this and Home Sweet Home. So those are the <laughs> yeah. only two songs I knew. So the only two songs I could teach. And <laughs> they were just happy to learn how to play something. I'm going to tell you, you can send your hate mail to us, growinguprock at gmail.com. This whole album is awesome. Desert Island album for me, high school graduation year, Europe rocks. <laughs> Just remove this song and it'll have some good music on it. 
putting this song on for 12 hours. I actually heard that the U.S. military blasted this through a PA at the uh, Russians or whoever they were fighting uh, as a torture method. <laughs> it's a blessing and a curse, right? It's you write the song and everybody's sick of it and it's in a Geico commercial. But if you had never heard the song and you heard it for the first time, and Stephen doesn't like the synth thing, so he, he would have never been sold. But if you only heard the song every once in a while, he'd be like, man, that's a great song. Yeah. Now, you hate the song now, but do you like Other Europe? I do. Are you familiar with Other Europe albums? I'm not an album girl. I'm the wrong generation to know albums. I know songs. But I would say I really like Rock the Night yeah. and Cherokee. Yeah, same album. All right. That's just a shame. It hurt my feelings when you said you're not an album girl, but I know it's the truth. Damn generation. Nobody is. I am. You're 85. I'm an album boy. I'm not an album girl, but you know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Damn it. The old guard still likes to listen to albums. My buddy, Steve Wright still likes to listen to albums. He's Come 85. on, man. <laughs> God damn it. Playlist. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Look at all the people here tonight. Oh, man. I got to make an announcement right here. Can you hear me out there? It's time to take a quick break in the action from this week's episode. Sonny and I just wanted to thank all of you, the listeners, for joining us each and every week. Whether you just found us today or have been listening for multiple episodes, we love your passion for music and rock and roll in general. We consider you all part of our loud minority family. Always remember you can communicate with us a few different ways. If you don't mind Facebook, head over to the Growing Up Rock Loud Minority Facebook group and be part of the conversation. It's a private group and all you have to do is ask to join, answer a few rock and roll questions, and you're in. If you despise Facebook, which many people do, then send us an email to growinguprock at gmail.com. We get everything there. You can follow us on Twitter and Insta at Growing Up Rock, which is one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K. In the event you feel entertained by our podcast, we would appreciate it if you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode and go leave us a five-star review either at Apple Podcast or Podchaser. Now, back to our regularly scheduled program. All right, we're back. So let's move on to the next song. And this one is very close to my heart. I can't wait to hear what it is for you. But that's the Trooper from Iron Maiden's Peace of Mind. Tell us about this one. So Iron Maiden is my all-time favorite band to this day. I have so many memories like involving the Trooper. It was the second song that I learned to play on bass. And it's not an easy song. And I was not a phenomenal bassist right off the start. I kind of knew what I was doing, but wasn't Steve Harris level. So I remember I'm very close with my dad, very, very close. And so we had this studio out in the garage and I was probably 13. We would go out every single night to the studio and I would play bass and he would sing the trooper for probably two weeks. 
just working on that song until I could get it right. And so I have really good memories with that song and my dad. And then also a couple years later, my dad took me to see Iron Maiden for the first time and they play the trooper and I bawled like a baby. I cried. My dad was like, bro, are, are you good? <laughs> <laughs> um, I could just see that. That's, that's a father daughter moment, bro. Are yeah. you good? Yeah. Nice one, dad. <laughs> no, I have a really good relationship with my dad because of, the, the rock music that we've bonded over. Like I call my dad bro. He calls me bro. Um, it, it's Not a real bro good. ham. Maiden, I'm a huge Maiden fan. One of my favorite bands of all time, too. And I know Steve Harris absolutely hates it when people say this, but part of the punk is also coming from Maiden. Whether Steve wants to admit it or not, the first three or four Maiden albums, that punk all over it. I know yeah. he hates that, and I know Dickinson hates that, but it's there. All you got to do yeah. is listen to it. No, right. I agree. Yeah, the first two for sure. Let me ask you this real quick, uh, Abby. Old Maiden or New Maiden or All Maiden? Because they're, All they're, Maiden. I mean, it's very different, though. I'm yeah. a huge Maiden fan, just like Sonny's a big Maiden fan. But I'll be honest in saying it's the first five or six albums for me. They lost me after, the, after Somewhere in Time. Now, they bought me back a little bit with uh, Brave New World. But mm -hmm. they honestly, they lost me. Like, I don't. There's some songs on the newer stuff that I like, but I'm not an Epic Maiden fan. I like the old stuff. 
Yeah, I would say I like everything. I mean, as early as like Running Free, that's probably my favorite like older Iron Maiden song. And then I did see them this past year in concert and even their new stuff like I don't hate it. I think it's it's good. If I was going to listen to Iron Maiden, I would listen to Hallowed Be Thy Name. That's my go-to Iron Maiden track. But I mean, yeah, I would say I tolerate it all. Yeah. The new stuff is just, it's longer, right? It's more Rhyme and the Ancient Mariner than it is yeah. Aces High. That's just what it is. Right. And that's who they become. Abby, you said, you know, you got to feel for the business, which is great. I'm glad you're managing yourself. Why have somebody else manage you? If you're going to be independent, be independent the whole way, right? Yep. Maiden's got this marketing thing down. You know, there's some money to be made on marketing. Have you thought about, I don't know if you need an Edwina, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> that took me a minute to process, but okay, I got it now. Have you thought about the marketing side of it? I don't know what you're asking. Like, do you need a mascot? Do you need... Oh. Like, uh, you're thinking about, like, I don't know, like, you already have a logo, obviously, that you're kind of yeah. sticking to. But have you thought a lot about marketing or you just kind of concentrate on the music right now? So we do think about, like, the branding side of it. Um, we haven't considered having a mascot run across the stage yet. Maybe someday. <laughs> I'll probably pay my dad to do it. Um, <laughs> we have started getting into more of the set design stuff. We were headlining the Orange County Fair up in New York a couple months ago, and that was a really ginormous stage for us the biggest we've played so we did get a huge 20 feet by 20 feet backdrop there then we have like a couple scrims on each side and i called my dad i was like okay we got to make the stage interesting i need a bedazzled mic stand and so he welded a mic stand for me out of steel to like my exact dimensions and then my mom got all the glue and the rhinestones and was gluing it on i have good parents <laughs> Yeah. Sounds like they're really supportive. Yes. Because that's part of the new generation, right? If you want to do this for a living, sadly, you're probably not going to make a ton of money from your actual music. Your music is going to be a vehicle. You know, if you sell publishing and you get on a TV show or a commercial or something, you'll make money from a publishing standpoint. But the money is in the T-shirts. The money is in the merchandising. That's what Sonny's asking because bands buy mansions with houses these days. So that's really where it's at. So, yeah, you have to, obviously, you know this, you, sh you should be thinking about that kind of thing, I guess. Right. Yeah, we are starting to work on, like, more images that we can use to, like, associate with the brand just trying to be smart about it because i mean right now all of our merch is just our logo and our name and that's yeah. getting kind of boring so trying to come up with something that represents us and can be a little bit more interesting yeah we've got a f close friend it's a local band in sacramento called restrained and they'll do a record release party and he'll tell you he'll make a couple of grand on merch he won't make jack for really any cds or not. he hasn't sold a thousand dollars worth of CDs probably ever, but he's made a couple of grand on just an opening night off of merch because people come to support. They want to figure out how to support you. They're going to buy the drinks from the bar. They can't buy the drinks from you, right? But they can support you some way. And uh, everybody's coming to spend. Hey, it's not hundreds of dollars each person's going to spend, but if you've got two, 300 people there, it adds up quick if you have something for them, for sure. Well, and you, you just said, right? You said it yourself. I'm not an album girl. There's a lot of I'm not an album girl or boys out there, right? They're not going to go and buy a single. They're going to stream your single. 
They're going right. to stream. Uh, they're going to put together a playlist. They're going to stream the singles and they're going to support you by coming to your concert because they heard you on one of the streaming services. So they're going to come to your concert. They're going to spend money on a concert ticket. They're going to spend money on an Abby K shirt and an Abby K coaster and an Abby K. Uh, I don't know. Tutu, whatever, I don't know, <laughs> whatever merchandise, crazy merchandising they have, but that's how they support you these days. And uh, that's also why you don't need record companies either, because all the record company deals nowadays, they want these 360 deals where they take a piece of your merchandising, a piece of your concert tickets. No, yeah. absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's why it's so important right now that we do it ourselves, just so because we have such little coming in. We want to make sure that we get everything that we can. And I agree with merch. I mean, when we're touring, we make more money in merchandise than we do from the venues that are paying us to play. Mm -hmm. So it is important. That's why I really love and respect bands like Dirty Honey that just aren't signing a deal. I mean, they've got money behind them. People are spending money to promote that band. So it's not like they're just doing it on their own. They'll Mm -hmm. be the first to tell you that but they're not signing a deal and they haven't needed it. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I, I think that that sets the standards for a lot of uh, young and up and coming artists. And I love that about yeah. it, you know? All right. So let's move on to this next song because this one is, if you said, which song is not like the others, this is the one that falls into place. And that is green days holiday. <laughs> now, I personally like this song. I like Green Day and I like this song. I think it's a great song. And there's a little bit of that punk influence. So is tell us about this song. So when I went to that first rehearsal, put a bass in my hands for the first time, they told me to play four notes and it ended up being holiday. And then within like 30 seconds, I was playing with a band for the first time on an instrument that I had never played. And that was the first song that we ended up playing together. And then I do think I have a little bit of the punk influence, especially in dodging a bullet. I swear, Um, whether that's from green day or sometimes I get like the runaways. So I I do think that that's kind of shaped a little bit into my music, maybe even with rockstar a little bit, but I just put that in there because that's the first song that I ever played on bass with a band. And it was kind of cool.
And there's nothing wrong with uh, Green Day or that power punk I'm talking about. It's energy. It's young. It's fun. It's rebel, yeah. right? It, it fits the person that possibly you are today and maybe you grow into something else later. It doesn't matter, right? That That's all good. I'm not the biggest Green Day fan on the planet, but uh, I do like that song off American Idiot. I would say it's probably one of the songs I can tolerate from Green Day. I'm not a huge like alternative rock punk guy, honestly. Yeah. So out of these four songs, Rock and Roll Party in the Streets, The Final Countdown, The Trooper, and Holiday, which one is Abby K? Oh, man. Please don't say Axe. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm curious, like, what do you envision? Because they all probably, pieces of, these bands are all wrapped up within the music that Abby K wants to make, I'm guessing. So right. which one of these is the best representation of, or the main part of what Abby K music you envision for Abby K music? That's a really difficult question. <laughs> so I'm not asking you, you know, I, I don't expect you to go, oh, I want to sound like Maiden or I want to sound like Green Day. That's not really what I'm saying. But if there's four pieces of DNA out of these four songs that are in Abby K music, which one is the overpowering trait? I would say somewhere in between Iron Maiden and a little bit of Green Day, because when people see my or hear my music, they think... I'm the love child of Steve Harris and Lita Ford. So I'm going to say Iron Maiden because I do think I have a little bit of the Steve Harris bass playing just because that's the first thing that I learned and I'm obsessed with Steve Harris. And then Green Day, it's not so much the sound, but more the attitude of it. I think I have a lot of that like rebellious, same thing with the, the Lita Ford runaways stuff, kind of that attitude that comes in it. You do realize that Steve Harris and Lita Ford have probably never met. Yes. <laughs> I don't actually know. I, I don't know. Yeah, I bet they have. She's been in the industry forever and a day. I bet they sure have. But anyway, so yeah, I mean, I can hear that. I obviously see the the uh, maiden influence in your bass playing. I love that you play with your fingers and not a pick. That's fantastic. And I think the punk that I get from you comes from some of the drum beats and some of the pace of the tunes, but also in a lot of your vocal phrasing and melody phrasing in your voice is suited for sort of that punk rebellious feel, at least to my ears anyway. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. So, you know, we got to talk about Kiss. You wanted the best, but you got the best. The hottest band in the world, Kiss! It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. You know, you were 15 when you talked to us last time. You are talking about you saw Gene at a KISS concert. I'm trying to figure out which concert. So are we talking KISS 40th anniversary with Def Leppard? Or are we yes. talking Freedom of Rock? Oh, so you're 12 when you see them. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. That's That, that was a pretty good show. Do you remember Def Leppard, that show? Because KISS, like, really overpowered them, felt like. Okay, honestly... I'm going to get canceled now. I have never, growing up, I really wanted to be like my dad. My dad does not like Def Leppard. Oh, yeah. So, obviously, 
as a 12 year old girl, I was like, oh, I don't want to see Def Leppard. Yeah. Just trying to be like my dad. Yeah. So I really paid zero attention to them. Yeah. And I'll tell you, you're, you're not the only one. There's, there's a lot of people that are around our age, your dad's age that Def Leppard kind of left who they were and became something else. And all those mm -hmm. people kind of shut down to them and said, okay, yeah. I'm done at Pyromania and I don't ever want to hear the next 40 years, you know, that kind of thing. Yep. So that's exactly what my dad says. Yeah. <laughs> but did your dad like old Def Leppard? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he that's... says he can tolerate like the first two albums or yeah, something. That's exactly what it is. My son and I, his first Kiss show was also this one. And we left during Def Leppard after Kiss was done because Def Leppard headlined that day. Kiss was done and we stayed for two or three songs and... Anthony's like, dad, I don't, this is not good. <laughs> we just <laughs> left. <laughs> so you're not the only one. Yeah. All right. So you had shared with us the destroyer was probably your go-to kiss album at 15. All right. You're going to turn 21 this year. We still stuck on destroyer or. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's is this your dad's favorite record too? Probably. Yeah. This is, the I would say so. This is the problem. Okay. <laughs> we need to separate you from your dad a little bit. It's getting a little bit ridiculous. Destroyer <laughs> is not all of that. You need to stop. <laughs> you need to stop with that. Believe what you believe. <laughs> it's got a lot of good music on it. There's no doubt about it. There's some classics off that record, but that record as a whole is not their best record. In my opinion, it's not in his opinion either, but. Okay. Actually, hold on. Remember, I'm not an album girl, so I'm looking up the names of the albums right now. I would say, actually, I like more songs on Love Gun. Yeah! Is that a better answer? Uh, all the answers are fine. Okay. <laughs> it is. It's, it's when, if you listened, if you have a hankering later, listen to Destroyer front to back. And when you get to Great Expectations, you'll <laughs> see what we're talking about. <laughs> Man, it's time for the good. Then you'll be like, oh, that's why they were throwing shade on that album. That's why. Of course, the same could be said about Love Gun when you get to the end, but <laughs> it's all good. But uh, Detroit Rock City, you know, Abby, we didn't really talk about this. Are you trying to stay away from covers, like in your own band? I'm not talking about playing in Nashville at night, making money. Hey, that's feeding family. You need to make yeah. money. I'm talking about in your own band. Do you want to get stuck like, kind of like Joan Jett kind of got stuck with this cover that she's popular for? Yes and no. I mean, it would be great if my original music would take off, but I also think if we could do a cover and get a lot of popularity from it, then people might be more willing to check out our other stuff. So I see the benefits of it. We play a lot of three to four hour shows on the road just because they pay more money. So we do a lot of covers, but we've always made it known that like we are an original rock band. So when you do a lot of covers, what do you usually stick to? We do everything. We really kind of just base it on what the audience is feeling. I mean, we do Holy Diver. We do Children of the Grave. And then we also do like Black Velvet and I Love Rock and Roll, just depending on the day and the audience of which direction we're going to go. I would say our master set list ranges to about five and a half to six hours of music. Oh, that's good. Wow. So when you guys are on the road, you're playing three sets in a club of uh, cover songs and weaving in some of your original music. Is that what you're doing? So it depends on what type of show. Um, obviously, sometimes we'll get club venue shows and that's just a 45 minute original set, which is great. 
And then sometimes the, the thing about that is you usually just get a percentage of ticket sales, which is hard for expenses on the road. And then if you play at a bar, they usually give you a upfront, this is how much money you're getting. So it's a little bit easier for us financially at this level, but then it's four hours of covers with a couple minutes of originals. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you picked Detroit Rock City off of uh, off a of Destroyer. I would say that's the best song off a of Destroyer. There's no doubt about that. Okay, how much kiss nerd do you have in you like do you have i got kiss shit all over this room right now do you are you carrying around like a kiss suitcase or you're not that crazy <laughs> not that crazy at one point i probably was but i'm not anymore does your dad have the lunch boxes and all that stuff or oh he does I have those too but when i moved i left them back in my parents house <laughs> it's all about the merchandising that's how it is yep Right, so we just played Detroit Rock City by Kiss. Tell us about this song because this song was on your list as well. I think this was kind of like my breakthrough moment as a musician. In my first couple bands, we were playing this song and this was the first song that I was singing. And I grew up really, really shy. I did not talk to people. I hated being on stage. If I was going to sing, I would want to put the microphone like in the back by the bass amp and sing like I just did not like that attention and I guess when we started playing Detroit Rock City the first time that we played it live I was a completely different person I went from like in rehearsal my parents would be like Abigail why are you hiding in the back while you're singing get up there and like I don't know it was the first time that I kind of came out of my shell on stage and I performed and I I don't know if it's because of the song that I was singing or what, but like I got into it and I was like, dang, I want to be a rock star. 
And this is obviously Kiss is a band that you probably most bond with your dad over, right? I mean, he's Absolutely. a huge he's a huge Kiss nerd as well. Because hell, that's where we met you first at a Kiss <laughs> yeah. convention, basically, right? Yep. All right, that's cool. What's up next for Abby K? What do you guys uh, got on tap in the next uh, month or so? So we're actually about to announce a pretty big tour. Uh, we're touring with a, another emerging rock band, Wild Street. We're going all the way out to L.A. and all the way back. We're hitting a couple states that we've never been to before, Kansas, Colorado, Utah. We're going out west for like the entirety of April, which we're really excited for. We went out to California about a year and a half ago and had a really good turnout, but it's just so much to get over there. So we're excited to go back. And then this summer, we're just going to really try to get as much music out as possible and then probably do a lot of touring in the fall. In California, did you stay mostly Southern or did you play Northern too? We've only done Southern. We played the Whiskey A Go-Go about a year and a half ago with Nita Strauss. And then this time we're playing Hard Rock Cafe Hollywood. We're playing in San Diego. And then we're actually going to Nam and Anaheim while we're out there, which I've gone the past couple of years. So that's exciting. Yeah, that's cool. Awesome. Well, Abby, this has been fun. I appreciate you spending time. I appreciate you sharing your new music with us. We'll put all the links to your website and your YouTube channel and anything else you want to share with the listeners before we uh, get up on out of here. Awesome. I mean, you can find me on all social media at Abby K rocks, Abby K rocks.com. Thank you guys so much for having me. This was really fun. Awesome. That's Abby K. Sonny Pony, do you have anything you want to add before we get up on out of here? Yeah, abbykrocks.com. Because if you just type in Abby K, there's like a folk singer out there that comes up. She's like 85. And I'm like, that is not Abby K. That is not the Abby K we're talking to. Well, and I think that's a lot better than getting some sort of, you know, porno or something coming up. So that's 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 always good. (laughs) All right. We are out of here till next week. We will talk to you all. See ya later. Get ready to shuffle, rattle and roll. Play us out, boys.
Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.